uh, ENC a long time ago in a different century, and uh, I have not been a very good alum, Dr. McGee, because this is my first homecoming to attend since I graduated 33 years ago. So uh, I will not be receiving this award that our illustrious folks have received, but we congratulate you on that. However, I am trying to make up for it. I have moved back, and I plan to come on every homecoming from here on out. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. Well, it's been very interesting for me just being here since uh, August now and, and uh, just trying to understand all the things and, and uh, just remembering, you know, how things were. And, and there are a lot of things that haven't changed. Do you know that there are some professors still uh, teaching here that were here when I was a student? And that is a remarkable thing. I really think that's phenomenal. And uh, you are gifted, those of you who are the students now, with, with some tremendous folks who but not only maybe have only been here a short time, but some who have a, a sense of history and uh, really uh, allow you to have some open doors beyond college that uh, you may not realize that now, but it's a tremendous thing. The problem with me not being here for 33 years is that when I came back, people had a tendency to, to remember me like I was 33 years ago. And I did find a picture from a directory. Here's what I looked like uh, my sophomore year. What's what's so funny about that? I like how you're reacting to that. So you know you kind of tend to put people on the shelf, and and uh, one of the remarkable things is that coming back is some of my classmates uh, went on to get advanced degrees, and then they have come back to teach at ENC. And I tell you, I had them on a shelf because that's how I remembered them. So here, I want to show you a couple of my classmates who are, who are now your professors. Uh, and let's go to the next one. So, you know, I was a little bit surprised when I ran into Dr. Randstrom. I was thinking this, and he's so handsome now and everything, isn't he? Okay, here's another one of your professors that was a classmate of mine. He was a bad dude, let me tell you. And uh, so, you know, I just I, I have to retrain my brain to think a little bit differently these days. And would you like to see one more? Okay, go ahead, show the next one. He'd been working out that day, thus the uh, the jersey there. So if you want to know what you're going to look like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, this is probably what will happen. Just look around at those of us who are alum today. This is your future, just so you know. So I want to talk to you today about a wonderful passage of Scripture. As we think about looking back, as we think about looking ahead, there's an alternative way to live in life, and it's found in a powerful passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. You see the words in front of you on the screen. Uh, this wonderful Psalm 23, I, we all know this pretty well. We, we've encountered this. And, and sometimes when you see very familiar passages of Scripture, it's easy just to, oh, I know that, and we just move on to the next thing. But I would offer to you today, in the few minutes that we have this morning before we head on our way today is that these verses and the ones that follow that we will not have time to look at today really embody for us the way of life that God intends us to live. A few years back at the age of 90, Meyer Friedman passed away. He 
was an eminent cardiologist and uh, in the in the San Francisco, I, I believe, area. And but what he is best known for, along with his partner, Dr. Rosamond, medical partner, is the fact that they did some groundbreaking research. And if you are in psychology classes, or you'll encounter this somewhere along the line, is but they did some groundbreaking research that identified people that were more susceptible to uh, heart attacks. And they are the ones, Dr. Friedman specifically, is the one who coined the phrase type A personality. You heard that before? And these are the folks who, you know, were kind of driven a little bit and, and they were, seemed like they were always on the, the, the edge a little bit. And, and uh, they, they, were, they uh, really worked ahead. They, they were phenomenal folks, but they tend to be high-stress individuals. And they started to put a, a connection between people who are so busy all the time, high-stress, go, 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 that they began to see a connection with heart disease and eventually heart attack. And so they coined this phrase, Point, uh, 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 type A individual and began to try to help counteract that in people's lives. Now, they conducted this in the laboratory and with people, but one of the great confirmations to them came by an unlikely source. In their medical practice, they needed to update the uh, waiting area where their patients would wait before they would see them, and, and it had been a while since it had been updated. The furniture was fine, but it was beginning to be worn. They didn't need to throw it out. They just needed to recover it. They needed to change the carpet out, paint the walls, all of those kind of things. It was the upholsterer who came in to, to work on this that kind of confirmed what they had been studying all along and the upholsterer noticed something and so he talked to the office manager and he said, I, I need to see Dr. Friedman. He said, well, you can make an appointment and we'll run to... No, I don't want to see him for that. I, I need to talk to him about this job. She said, well, I'm the office manager. He's too busy. He, can't. he said, I really insist I need to talk to him. Finally, she relented and gave him a couple of minutes with Dr. Friedman. And he said to Dr. Friedman, he said, I don't know that if you've ever noticed this, but you have a, a very unusual wear pattern in the seats in your office. Did you know that? And Dr. Friedman said, no, I didn't know that. I, you know, it's probably not really important. What's, what's your point? He said, well, I do this for a living. And, and every chair that I reupholster that's worn out has even wear along the seat, uh, on the seat. He said, but something very unusual about the seats in your waiting area, they're all worn out along the edge and on the edge of the arms, on the edge of the seat. He said, I just want you to know that. He said, I have a theory. And he said, well, okay, go ahead and tell me your theory. He said, I think that people that come into this place are very anxious people. They don't really want to be here. They're on the edge of the seats. They're waiting for someone to call them. They, they have this feeling, please tell me what the results are. Let's just get on with it. They're very anxious people. And it was that observation by an upholster of all people that really kind of affirmed and confirmed what they had been looking at all along. That sometimes in our lives we are way too much on the edge of our seats. We're just waiting for the next thing to come along. We get all worked up about a lot of things and as a result of that we go, 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 go and we never create some balance in our lives. And so they developed this whole system to try to decommission people from this type A personality. Well, that's remarkable work they did, but... In the Scriptures, we have something about decommissioning this, and it's found in Psalm 23. I'd invite you to read these verses with me, if you can see them. Let's read them together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. 
He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In the time that we have this morning, I want us to look at a few of those phrases this morning and just try to understand what the Scriptures are trying to teach us today. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Now, the alternative to to, to not having the Lord as your shepherd is for you to be in control, for you to be in charge. If you don't have a shepherd or someone to guide you, then you've replaced it with something else, and all of us have the tendency to replace the Lord's guidance with our own. I, I want you to picture what life is like when you're in control. And when you're in charge, when I'm in charge of my life, the fact of the matter is that I'm responsible then for everything. And we have the tendency to worry, don't we? We, we worry about what our future is going to be like, and we're going to worry about whether we're going to have a job when we graduate. We worry about whether we're going to have enough money to retire. We, we worry about this. We worry about that. We worry if we're ever going to find someone to, to marry for the rest of our lives. And if I can't find it, what am I going to do? Here's an odd thing. We are really good at worrying when we are in control and in charge. Anybody here worry? How many of you have discovered that worry is a constructive, life-giving way to deal with the future? It doesn't work, does it? And we end up being on the edge of our seats. There's another way to life. And, and this is what the Scripture, the Word of God, helps, to see today, helps us to see. That we need to live in the constant care and the presence of a good shepherd. Now, David understood about shepherds because he was one. He was a shepherd himself, and he knew the fact that he knew the fate of sheep really rests on the job that the shepherd does. Uh, there's some wonderful uh, things that have been written about this uh, passage of Scripture, and I'm indebted to a lot of those today. One of those that I really enjoy reading is uh, some writing by the man, uh, man by the name of David Keller, who was a shepherd himself. And now he's written this wonderful book about the 23rd Psalm. Listen to what he has to say about this. Sheep do not just take care of themselves. They require more attention and meticulous care than any other class of livestock because sheep in our day have gone a little crazy. (laughs) Does that sound like it might be a description of our lives? We're high maintenance, aren't we? We require a lot of care and sometimes we just gone a little crazy. There's a wonderful reminder here that David says that the Lord is my shepherd. You know one of the greatest enemies to to being so busy in life is to eliminate hurry from our lives. This edge, this living on the edge of our seats, this incessant need to, I've got to get this figured out, this figured out, this figured out. And as a result of that, it creates all of this worry. And then we buy products to try to help us to get through that time. Have you ever had an energy drink? You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen the, the uh, displays that are there in the cases at those gas station stores and other places? Do you know that in this country last year, we spent $744 million on energy drinks, and that rate is growing at 20 to 30% a year. Why? Because we are living so hurried lives. Sometimes we're kind of like Turbo Hamster. Do you know Turbo Hamster? Have you seen him? Take a look. Watch Turbo Hamster. Maybe this is like you. (laughs) (laughs) You ever feel that way? (laughs) 
you go, you go, you go, but you know sooner or later there's going to be a train wreck along the way. That's what I love about this passage of Scripture. It reminds us that we need to be in the control of the shepherd. Uh, Warren Gill has a Ph.D. in animal husbandry. I don't know if we have that major here at ENC, but he teaches down at the University of Tennessee, and he has become an, an expert on sheep and how they act and how they react. And, and so I was reading some of his stuff in preparation for uh, speaking from this passage today, and, and, and he says this, Sheep spend up to ten hours a day grazing, and then most of the rest of their waking hours they actually spend chewing their cud. You know animals, some do that. Cows chew their cud, and, and so sheep are one of those. And he tells about the fact that the technical term for chewing your cud is... Anybody know what that is, by the way? What's it called? Well, according to him, the title is... The, the word is ruminate. That's a technical term for chewing the cud. To ruminate. All sheep ruminate. Now, he says this. The ruminating response requires, in other words, for a sheep to do what a sheep does, for a sheep to be content. He said the ruminating response requires that a sheep be comfortable and relaxed. And when a sheep is not comfortable and relaxed, they will not ruminate. And as a result of that, it will throw them off from everything that they do in life and how they're intended to operate. He said this, in rumination, sheep have a pensive, almost sleepy expression. Kind of like some of you listening to me talk right now. But that's a contentment aspect. I think what the Scripture is teaching us is that when we have a good shepherd in control, we are designed then. We live life then the way we were designed to be. And this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, is really crucial for us to ruminate, if you will. To live a life of joy and gratitude and contentment. I would challenge you, if you're more like Turbo Hamster and you're living off energy drinks and your life is on the edge of your seat, then... Maybe what you need to do is just to call time out. Reflect on this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. David goes on to say that the Lord is not only my shepherd, but he says, I shall not want. I shall not be in want. The idea here is that because the Lord is the good shepherd and that he is caring for me, he is providing for me, and as a result of that, I can live the way I was intended to be, the way I was created to be, a, a life of joy, a, a life of gratitude. Part of the problem that we encounter in our society today, and, and we do as individuals, it's not just culture's problem, it's our problem. We live in a status and an attitude of chronic discontent. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, we're never quite satisfied we're never quite happy. There's always something a little bit more that we need. This chronic discontent is, a, is really a plague upon our society. And this passage of Scripture speaks precisely to that. You know, sheep, they're basically just a big appetite walking around. What they desire is just to be fed. And the Scripture says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. You know how a sheep goes astray? 
the way they usually go astray is by following the sheep in front of them. Because sheep are not natural leaders. They're not proactive animals. They're not thoughtful. They're not reflective. And, and it's really kind of a humbling thing when the Scripture calls us sheep. Sheep are not really very dynamic. It seems like other animals get all of the press and the publicity. When you, when you think about all the TV shows and the movies that have had an animal with a star, uh, things like dogs, for example. How many of you can remember the movie Beethoven a long time ago? I mean, that was really, a, you know, the, the Thousand and One Dalmatians, all of that. And, and cats have Garfield. And, and uh, for those of you who've been around a long time like me, we even remember watching a show about a dolphin. The name of that show was what? Yeah, and, and if you're really, really old, you can remember the show called Green Acres. Do you remember who the star of Green Acres was? It was a pig. Anyone know that pig's name? Arnold Ziffel, that's right. So it's amazing the things we carry around in our brains to these days. There has never, as far as I know, never been a television show that had a sheep as the star of the show. How can sheep follow each other? Well, they follow each other because they just, they just do that. And sometimes they follow each other into danger. If one sheep goes over a cliff, the, the whole flock of sheep can go over the cliff. They just do that. You would think that somewhere along the line, those sheep would just stop and pause and think about it for a minute. Kind of like along these lines. You know, Sally just went over the edge. And she never came back. Let me think about this for a moment. I wonder if I should follow her. Well, see, sheep never do that. They just keep on going over the edge. And maybe what the Scripture is trying to remind us of today is that sometimes we need to realize that we need a shepherd. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We need a shepherd. It's amazing to me uh, what the Scripture has to teach about this. And Warren Gill, who teaches us about this, reminds us again of some of the things that we learn about that. He says, the sheep, the Lord is my shepherd. And the Scripture goes on to say, I shall not be in want. The next thing that it teaches us is that He makes us to lie down in green pastures. Now that's an interesting phrase there when you think about it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Interesting, isn't it? Now, that word make there isn't that the Lord forces us because we have control. We have the ability to choose or reject the advances of the Lord upon our lives. We believe in something called provenient grace that says that long before we sought the heart of God, He was seeking our hearts, but He never forces His way into our lives. So when we see phrases like this in the Scripture, it makes us think, well, I'll just wait around and God will do this for me. We still have to present ourselves to Him. What the Scripture is trying to teach us here is that once we give control to the shepherd, He knows what's best to us. He knows what we need. And He knows that there are times in our lives when we just we need the, the, the result of a pasture. We, we, we need to be around things that restore our soul along the way. We need to give control to Him leading into these green pastures. You know, when you get my age, one of the things that people my age do is that we go on cruises. I, someday you'll probably go on one. I haven't been on one yet, but they really market cruises to people my age. I've told my wife, who said, you know, we need to go on a cruise sometime. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go on a cruise when they let me drive the boat. It's a little bit of a control thing. 
You see, to give your life over to the shepherd means that you give up control. You say, Lord, I know that You know what is best for me. But we believe what the Scripture says, that He makes us, He knows what is best for us. The call of God is for Him to be the shepherd of our life, to be the controller of our lives. We live in this chronic discontent. And there's always some marketing approach to try to get you to buy this or buy that or change this or change that. If it's the right house, it's the right car, it's the right clothes, it's whiter teeth, all of this stuff. And the fact of the matter is, it's the Lord who knows what's best. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. Maybe you've been under some tremendous stress and you're facing some of those difficulties. You see, what gives sheep assurance to rest in the pasture is the presence of the shepherd. That's what brings contentment. If the good shepherd is present, then there is contentment in life. That means that you might be in one of the most stressful times of your life. It might be in the classroom. And, and some of you are facing that right now. It, it, it's getting to the point that, that all of these things are due. But I want you to know that even in the classroom, when you're under tremendous stress, when our Lord is in control, you can create a pasture in the middle of that. And God can help you through the middle of that. It might be in an office or it might be in a house where there's noise and conflict. It, it, it might be in a hospital room where, where someone you love has received a diagnosis. I want you to know that even in the midst of all of those places, the Lord says, when you allow me to be in control of your life, I can make a pasture even in the middle of that. I can be your shepherd. That's what we need to live. Grab a green pasture somewhere along the way. Maybe for you, you've been on the edge. You've been turbo hamster. And what you need to do is to build in some times in your life where you're, where you're making sure that you, you, you feast at the feet of Jesus. There's benches all over campus. I don't know if you've noticed those. Maybe for you, it's just grabbing one of those benches every now and then. It's taking two or three minutes. It's quieting yourself and saying, Lord, what do you have to say to me? Allow Him to, to kind of go on a walk with you in those pastures of life. The Scripture says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me down, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You see, sheep are just looking for something to eat and something to drink. And many times in these Old Testament days, and in the life of a sheep, they would just find themselves just wandering, and many times they would end up by danger. You see, the shepherd knows that water that's noisy could be a waterfall. Water that's noisy could be turbulence. And if you're a sheep and you're drinking out of that water, it could be easy to lose your footing and your step. And if you're a sheep with all that wool, I'm telling you, you're going to get waterlogged and you're going to sink. And when the Bible says that the shepherd leads them beside the still waters, it's a wonderful reminder to us that our shepherd, who we give control to in our life, who we ruminate on Him, He knows to steer us away from danger. He knows to take us to those places that, that will not harm us so that we can feed on Him. I wonder sometimes, like sheep, we have wandered to places and positions of danger unnecessarily. And we've gotten way too close to things that can sink us. That's why we need to put our life in the hands of a shepherd. Here's the last line before we go. It reminds us that He restores our soul. Warren Gill at uh, University of Tennessee, the animal husbandry professor, says this. He gets a lot of questions about people saying, well, are sheep just dumb? 
And his answer to this, I, I really love. Are sheep dumb? And he says, it depends on how you define intelligence. That's good, isn't it? You know, is so-and-so dumb? Well, it just depends on how you define intelligence. This is what he says about a sheep. He says, a sheep has precisely the correct amount of intelligence it needs to function as a sheep. How about that? It has just the right amount of intelligence it needs to function as a sheep. Isn't that wonderful when you think about it? Because that is how God created us. We have just enough intelligence to function as us. And part of that built-in part of us is that we need someone to lead us. Gill also says this, one should not own an animal that is smarter than oneself. Just keep that in mind down the road. Here's what he says about sheep. A sheep can actually recognize an individual. And they can carry that memory with them for up to two years. They have that much intelligence. He said this, sheep react to facial expressions. They prefer a smile to a grimace or a frown. He says this, persons with a calm, confident manner are more effective as a shepherd than a nervous, noisy person. Makes you wonder if Jesus knew what He was talking about when He identified Himself as the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd, He says. When a shepherd leads his sheep, he doesn't do it like a sheepdog. You ever seen a sheepdog? They kind of run around the pack and, and nip at the heels of the sheep and try to corral them, but that's not what a shepherd does. Sheepdogs bark and, and nip, but a shepherd just calmly calls to his sheep. Warren Gill says, those sheep know the sound of their shepherd's voice. And all he has to do is call and confidently walk among them and they will follow them. Here's what Jesus said. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And He did that on the cross for you and me. My encouragement to you is to get off the edge of your seat. Not that we shouldn't have drive and ambition. That's not what this is about. But maybe what we need to do is to rest on the fact that our Lord knows exactly what we need. And the only way that we can be comfortable in the presence of the Shepherd who created us and designed us is to allow Him to lead, to die to ourselves, to give ourselves to Him, and allow Him to lead us all the days of our life. I went through some times like that in my own life, as we all do. I can remember I was dealing with some things in a former place where I uh, served, and, and it was a little overwhelming to me, and I was feeling like, man, I, I'm just not getting anywhere. I'm not smart enough to figure this out, and, and I had skill and ability, but yet it was beyond me. And I can remember one day in my office just feeling so overwhelmed, trying to work through some of the things that were going on, that I found myself, it's a little weird, I don't do this all the time, but I found myself laying on the floor. And I remember crying out to the Lord. I, I was just so overwhelmed. It just felt like I was, I was pressed down. I was laying on the floor. And as I cried out to the Lord, something remarkable happened. It, it was almost like the Lord reminded me that that's exactly the position He wanted me to be in. And I began to feel His presence sweep over me. And suddenly all of these problems that I thought were all on my shoulders, He began to take on His shoulders. And when I opened my eyes... I realized that the color of the carpet was green. And it was almost like God had created this pasture. And you know what I was reminded of? 
How when as a kid we would play outside in the yard and we would end up in that grass just running through the grass and sometimes after we were playing we would just lay there with our heads up to the sky and the sun beating down on us just laying in that grass. Oh, to be a kid again sometimes, huh? I wonder if that's what God is calling us to do is to recognize that we have a good shepherd who cares for us and will lead us every step of the way if we just simply remember that we need to ruminate on Him. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much this morning for reminding us in Your Word today. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that's feeling a little overwhelmed with things in life, that they would recognize that You are the Good Shepherd and You are real and that You can speak peace into our lives pray that you would help us as we go through life not to live on the edge of our seats but to kind of sit back and rest on the fact that you know what is best for us so we pray that you'd be with us throughout the rest of the events of this day whether classes or meetings or or uh, having reunion with friends i pray lord that in all of it we would recognize that we have a great shepherd who cares for us we pray these things in jesus name amen amen Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful weekend. Go in peace.